Hello and welcome to the Points League podcast presented by NBA Jam 2K22 Elite Fantasy Basketball. And I'm your host, Patrick Greenlaw, coming to you live from the 206. It is a gorgeous Friday afternoon here during my lunch break. I'm just going to go ahead and record this um, during the limited time that I do have. We're going to just break down the NBA Jam 2K22 draft, which just took place on Wednesday. Um, The only structure for today's podcast is I'm just going to go ahead and break down each pick and just kind of go through it and pick by pick and break down how I feel about it. Um, I do have limited time, so I'm really just recording this sort of as a test or a sample for a small audience. So really not taking it too seriously, but you know, just testing some things out and just kind of testing the structure of this possible podcast. So um, with that, let's go ahead and get started. And um, I just wanted to preface this by saying, you know, this this draft in particular really was a momentous occasion. Um, It's something that we've been looking forward to really. I mean, really, we're looking forward to the draft as soon as last year's draft is completed. So this is years in the making, um, but definitely over the last few months, the last few weeks, you know, the hype has been building. And we had a a great lottery uh, a week before, which was a big event also. Um, And then in that week between the lottery and the draft, there was just a lot of speculation going on, you know, who could go where, a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different calibrations in our heads, you know, Um, A lot of contingencies, you know, if this happens, I'm going to do this. Um, One team in particular didn't really have any contingencies. He just had his whole draft scripted out. So we'll get a little bit more into that later. But, you know, even just seeing the different strategies was something that was interesting to me. Um, So with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into it. And um, we're going to start off with the new franchise name, the Soy Boys, um, formerly known as Alex's team. Really a chalk pick in that first slot, um, Nikola Jokic. There was a little bit of intrigue because there was a a slight chance that we felt like Soy Boys could go Luka with that first pick. I thought that there was about a 75% chance it was going to be Jokic, and that ended up being the pick. Um, But yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, you get a big man, he's going to get a lot of usage, especially with Jamal Murray out, you know, just kind of a chalk first pick. Um, And then that led us to the second pick, which was Luka Doncic going to Fives BC, the recently rebranded Fives BC. Um, again, not much of a surprise there. Really kind of felt like the guy that was going to go to fives in that second slot the whole time. Um, that's probably the guy that I would have taken with that second pick. So, you know, I definitely think that in this points league format, you know, and just given the potential upside that Luca was, was a good second pick. Um, And then that brings us to the third pick, which, again, kind of going in a chalk direction also, it was Giannis Antetokounmpo. A little bit of last-minute 
hesitancy, I would say, um, leading up to the draft, there was a little bit of speculation around Giannis's injury, given the knee situation that just seems to have been lingering over the last few years. But even with that, you know, it still felt like Giannis was kind of the chalk and the standard third pick. A little bit of talk that Harden could jump and, and maybe go in that third slot. But at the end of the day, double GZ goes Giannis. And that I felt like was a solid pick. Um, the first big shocker of the day, and I'm not, not that it was even a bad pick, but it was just a shocker uh, to see Damian Lillard go in that four slot. And it wasn't entirely unexpected. We know that Northwest Web has Portland ties. Um, and, of course, Damian Lillard has, is as consistent as they come over the last few years. Um, personally, you know, that wouldn't have been the guy I would have gone with in that four slot, obviously. But, you know, if that's your guy, that's your guy. And I'm not going to criticize on that pick too much. But it's just not the pick I would have made. But, again, you know... You're talking about a guy that, in my view, was probably like the number six guy, and you're taking him fourth, so really not a huge reach there. Um, And then I had the fifth pick, and I was pleasantly surprised that um, James Harden himself dropped to me in that fifth slot. Um, You know, again, with Kyrie Irving being out, it feels like James Harden has the potential to get back into that top two or three in fantasy, potentially even be that top player again if he were to stay healthy all season. Um, you know, and you really never can forecast the health situation. But just as we know it right now, Kyrie Irving is looking to be out at least 41 games or so this season. And, you know, it felt like that was a good pick there. I was between James Harden and Steph Curry. Curry ended up going with that sixth slot to Zen Master. And um, that was really the guy who I expected to get this whole time was Steph Curry. I I kind of had pegged Harden going fourth, and and then I was going to take Curry fifth. So, you know, I felt like those were good picks by myself and Zen Master going Harden and Curry, getting those guys with the fifth and sixth pick. Um, and then not really a surprise, too, to see Cat going with the seventh pick. I think that was, you know, also a pretty standard top six, top seven guy that a lot of people had. Um, so he was, you know, after the Cat pick is when it started to get a little bit more interesting. Um, really, I felt like the top seven went maybe not in the order that I have it, but the top seven went in the first seven picks. So I can't, you know, really complain about anyone's pick in these slots. Um, the eighth pick with the attack rabbit was, you know, a bit of a unknown because there was a lot of different directions that the attack rabbit could have gone with that eighth pick. And in this case, he went ahead and grabbed Joel Embiid. I actually don't mind. I don't hate this pick. Um, You know, there's quite a bit of, you know, hype that Joel Embiid could be an MVP candidate. Of course, the situation with Ben Simmons is unresolved. Um, On the downside, of course, Joel Embiid has some, you know, injury history, some recent issues with the knee during the playoffs. I mean, he seemed to play very well through that. 
you know, it's not really a question of Embiid's talent level as much as it is a question of can this man stay healthy for a full season? And if he does, you know, obviously that pick in the eighth slot is going to look really good. There's no question the man puts up big numbers when he is on the court. So, um, again, I'm not going to criticize that pick too much. Um, number nine, DeMontis Sabonis. Um, again, you know, solid pick. This this was kind of a pick that was rumored to possibly be happening prior to the draft. Um, we heard P-City call it a reach. I don't think it was a reach. He was a top 10 player in our format last season. So we have a top 10 player going ninth. You know the usage is going to be there. You know that um, Karis LeVert, of course, is dealing with a you know minor back injury. And so, um, yeah, I would not be surprised if Sabonis was a top nine, top ten guy again this season. Um, and then number ten, we have City going Kevin Durant. You know, another situation where if he can stay on the court, that pick is going to look really good. Um, personally, he was a guy that I was kind of staying away from just because it feels like he gets injured every single season almost. Um, but again, with Irving being out, you know, the sky really is the limit for Kevin Durant. Um, so looking at the top 10, I mean, I think you can kind of nitpick the order a little bit, but overall it seemed like you know, that was a really strong top 10 and, um, you can't really complain too much about how that top 10 went. You know, it felt like a really, really solid top 10. Um, the second round got a little bit more interesting. So we start off with P city, uh, drafting again in that 11 slot and, um, P city goes Trey young with the 11th pick. And I don't hate the pick. Um, you know, I don't hate the pick at all. Trey Young, I was actually thinking that there was a chance I could grab him around 15 or 16. Um, last season, he was a 38-point guy, which puts him more like in the top 20 of our league based on league averages last season. Um, but for the most part, he stayed very healthy last season. And you know, again, you can't really complain too much about that pick. The big shocker, um, you know, probably the biggest shocker of the whole night was that 12th pick. And here we have LaMelo Ball going to basketball team with that 12th pick. And this was a huge moment in the draft. Um, it really shaped a lot of things. It was a big time moment. Um Personally, I had him more as a third round guy. You can look at it and say basketball team didn't have another pick until 29. And from that perspective, he wasn't going to get LaMelo Ball with that 29th pick. So if LaMelo Ball is his guy, then he's got to take his guy in that slot. We know that LaMelo Ball can be a 40 points per game fantasy player. And, um, you know, as long, again, one another situation... Another guy where as long as he stays healthy for most of the season, that pick, you know, it, it looks like a reach on paper, but, you know, it might not really end up being that much of a reach. So we have LaMelo Ball going 
with that 12th pick. Um, I'm going to get a little sip of water here before I move on. All right. And um, 13, we've got Anthony Davis. So, um, you know, again, not really a guy I had in my top 13. He was on the Seattle Sonics last season. Um, I just, it's a tough situation because he was injured a lot last season and, you know, now they have Russell Westbrook coming in. So his usage on paper might not even be as high as it was in years past. Um, given that plus the injury concerns, he's not a guy I would have taken in the top 13, I had him pegged as possibly more like a third-round guy. But the news around the Lakers is that they're fired up for this season. Anthony Davis is primed to have a big year. So, you know, it, that could end up being a good pick. But it's just not the pick I would have personally made. But that could end up being a good pick. So we have the attack rabbit going two big men with the first two picks. Scooping up centers Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis. Um, looking at that 14th pick, we're moving on now and, um, Jason Tatum going to Joey's boss team, you know, no complaints there. Another solid, feels like a pretty solid pick with that 14th pick. He's going to have a lot of usage. Um, last season he was a 39 points per game guy. I personally kind of had Tatum, Paul George, and Beal all around kind of that same area. These are guys who are all going to get a lot of usage this year. Um, so, you know, I don't really have a problem with where Tatum went here. Um, moving on, 15th pick, Nikola Vucevic. Yeah, you know, when I spoke to Zen Master after the draft and Vucevic is going to get a lot of usage. Sure, they brought in DeMar DeRozan. Sure, they brought in um, Lonzo Ball. But when you look at the big men on that team, um, Tony Bradley is their backup center. So Vucevic might not be getting the scoring touches in the low post quite as much as he was, say, with the Magic, but he's still going to be on the court getting boards, getting cleanup buckets, you know, swatting the ball, getting blocks getting dimes from Lonzo. So, you know, I can't really, you know, you can't really complain too much. And then later we went to, would come to find out that there would be a big run on centers. So, you know, these guys that are scooping up centers early in the draft are not having to worry about that as much later in the draft. So there's, you know, uh, something to be said about that as well. So I, I don't mind that Vucevic pick with that slot at all. Feels kind of like a, pretty safe pick, but not necessarily the high ceiling of someone like a Joel Embiid who went eighth. Um, and then 16th, I went PG-13. We grabbed Paul George. Um, for me, that was a choice between PG and Bradley Beal. Um, that's, you know, I had that question in my head prior to the draft. If that were to be the draft, you know, the question I had between PG and, and Beal, I had made the decision before the draft to go PG. Um, the reason why isn't really so much around the vaccination status of Beal, but just the fact that the Wizards have so many young wings 
And if their season doesn't go how they want it to go, Beal could get traded um, and the Wizards could start tanking or they could just shut him down. So that was the risk with Beal. Obviously, he's a fantastic player, but I just felt like Paul George offers a little bit less risk. I think the thing with the Clippers is that they're kind of holding out this hope that Kawhi Leonard could maybe make a comeback for the playoffs. So I think Ballmer is going to Paul George and he's saying, hey, you know, do what you can do to get us into that eight seed or get us into that playing game. And hopefully we'll have Kawhi back at that point. And then if you've got a Kawhi in the playoffs plus Paul George, then that's a different story. So I think that Paul George, you know, gives in a 100% effort this season to try and get the Clippers at least into like the play-in game in the top 10. And I think that's actually doable for them. Um, You know, a top 10 slot. I'm not going to guarantee it, but I think top 10 is, is very realistic in the West. Um, also the Clippers don't have their first round draft pick, so they don't really have a reason to tank. So, um, you know, again, I could just see Balmer going to Paul George and saying, Hey, we traded all these first rounders to get you. We're paying you this much money. You know, we're not going to shut you down. We want you to play and we want you to try and push for a top 10 slot in the West. Um, 17. So back on Northwest web. Um, Northwest Web grabs Bam out of bio. You know, to me, I probably would have grabbed Beal there over um, over Bam. I just think, you know, Bam to me is a lower floor, higher ceiling guy. I think Beal has the higher ceiling between Bam and Beal. But again, you can't really complain too much about these guys who are grabbing centers early on in the draft and filling that need. Because, again, we would come to find out that centers are very scarce later on in the draft. Um, So, you know, and just looking at that again, Bam was about a 37-point-per fantasy point-per-game guy last season. Where, to me, I see Beal and Paul George as probably being, you know, closer to 40-point-per-game guys. But Bam plays a lot of games, and, you know, I felt like that's a very safe, solid pick with that 17th slot. Um, And then 18th, you know, I've just gone on at length about Beal. He goes 18 to double Jeezy, and that feels like a steal. Um, Really, if you had Bradley Beal going in the late first or early second, that wouldn't have surprised anyone. Um, So... You know, here we have Beal going 18th. That feels like a great deal for double Jeezy. Um, 19, we have Fives BC going with Zach Levine. You know, not a bad pick by any stretch. Um, again, he's part of this full squad that has kind of a, t- a big four, if you will. Zach Levine's going to get a lot of scoring opportunities. Um, you know, it. I know looking at the ESPN rankings, ESPN actually had him quite a bit lower for some reason. Yahoo had him as a number 21 guy. He um, averaged 37 points per game in fantasy last season, and I don't really see that dropping. So I feel like, you know, with that late first round pick, that's a really solid pick by 5SBC. And then with the 20th pick, we have Soy Boys going LeBron James. A bit of a surprise. 
to me personally, I actually had Russ, Russell Westbrook as the top rated Laker in fantasy just because um, I feel like with Westbrook, his usage may take a hit, but I feel like if anyone's going to be sitting games, it'll be LeBron and AD more so than Westbrook. Um, obviously I could be wrong, but it just feels like LeBron is a little bit of a risk going in the back end of the second round. You know, I had LeBron pegged as more like a third round guy. Um, you know, so you're maybe, it's a slight reach, but not a huge reach in my view. Um, soy boys backs it up by going Julius Randall, who is a guy that I love, um, Julius Randle is just a guy who's going to get so much usage on this Knicks squad. You know, they did add Evan Fournier, um, but it's just basically Kemba, Evan Fournier, um, and RJ Barrett. And Randle is, is their guy. He's going to score 20 points per game. He's going to get a lot of boards. He's going to even hit some threes. Um, he was actually a top five player in fantasy from a total perspective, not from an average. But even if you look at the averages, Randall averaged about 41 a game last season. And, you know, I just don't think his usage goes down that much with Kemba and with um, Fournier in the mix. Even if his usage does decrease, I still see him as like a 37, 38 fantasy points per game guy with also playing a lot of games. So, he was actually a guy that I was considering with that 16th pick. So I felt like with the soy boys picks a little questionable on the LeBron, but I felt like Randall was a solid one. Um, five BC 22. We're taking De'Aaron Fox with that 22nd pick, the Sacramento Kings, um, point guard. I thought that was a great pick. Um, had a great season last year. I mean, he kind of, I think because he's on the Kings, he really kind of falls under the radar a bit, but he was a 37 points per game guy last year in fantasy. Um, He's their guy on Sacramento. He's going to get a lot of usage and he is going to, you know, put up points. Um, I mean, just looking at their depth chart, the Kings aren't very deep. Um, they've got like a, you know, a seven or eight man rotation. And we know that, you know, kind of guys on the Kings are traditionally in and out of the lineups with nagging injuries. So, um, I had, I had considered the possibility that De'Aaron Fox and Russell Westbrook would be there for me. And I had Fox over Westbrook just because of the usage concerns with Westbrook being on the Lakers. Um, so yeah, no, no complaints at all. I felt like that was a great pick. 23, we have double Jeezy going Zion Williamson, uh, you know, not a guy I probably would have taken just because of all the injury concerns. You hear people saying that the foot is going to be an issue. Um, he's a big man. He's jumping. He's, you know, he's got a lot of force when he's jumping and he's landing hard He plays with a lot of impact. He plays with a lot of energy. He has a foot fracture. Um, And, you know, you probably couldn't wait too much later to get him. So I kind of understand why Jeezy grabbed him from that perspective. 
Um, Jeezy picked next at 38, and he certainly wasn't going to be around in that 38 slot. And so there you have it. We have Zion going 23rd, not a guy that I was planning on drafting just with the major injury concerns. As we know, games played is a huge deal for guys who are going early in the draft. You know, for me personally, when I'm drafting early, I want guys that are going to, you know, you never can tell. Um, You never know for a fact, but you want guys who are going to play as much as they can. There are certain guys that get injured with no fair, fair warning, but it's a little bit shaky to me that you're going into the season with a little bit of a questionable Zion Williamson. Um, 24, we have Northwest Webb going Jimmy Butler. So again, this is a situation where between you're between two guys, Westbrook and Butler, and Webb goes Butler and I went Westbrook. So it's kind of like, you know, Webb kept setting me up to get my guys that I wanted. If I was in Webb slot, I probably would have ended up with the exact same guys with an earlier pick is kind of how I feel about it. But he's not far off. And, you know, from what I from my personal rankings, he's picking guys that I had like one or two slots after. So it's he's drafting guys around the same slot, but not just making the exact picks that I would have made. You know, now that I'm saying all this, watch him have a great season, right? But Jimmy Butler is a 40 points per game guy. I just felt like Russell Westbrook offers a lot more upside with that pick, given that he was close to a 50 point per game guy last season. And we expect Westbrook, you know, maybe not to average as many points per game. But in my view, he's still a very safe bet to to, um, play a bunch of games and still average about 40 a game. Jimmy also has a bit of an injury history, so, you know, I'm not going to nitpick it too much, but I probably would have gone Russ over Jimmy. It ended up going the opposite way, and that's fine. So we have Jimmy, we have Russ. Um, Again, for me, my pick at 25, a lot of upside there. Felt great about that pick. You know, truly a guy that has been on the Sonics um, the last few seasons originally was drafted by the actual Sonics. So I like having those guys that have some lineage to the real Seattle Sonics dating all the way back to 07, 08. Couldn't get KD. So went ahead and grabbed Russell Westbrook with that 25th pick and felt great about it. Um, so moving on from there, Donovan Mitchell going 26th, not a surprise with that pick. Um, we have Zen master in that slot. That's really the guy I was considering too. I was between Westbrook Mitchell and Fred Van Vliet with that slot. And we went Mitchell 26th. He's going to be a high volume guy for the Utah jazz. We know he is their guy. A lot of their guys obviously going early in the draft was a 36 fantasy points per game, a night kind of guy last season. Um, if you look at the Utah Jazz squad, I just don't think they changed a whole lot. You still have kind of the same seven or eight guys. I guess you have a Rudy Gay and a Hassan Whiteside in there now, but I just kind of feel like the performance you got out of Donovan Mitchell last year, you might get a little bit better maybe, but it's going to be about the same, I would think. 
Um, so we got Donovan Mitchell 26th, Rudy Gobert going 27th, picking up a big center. Kind of a boring pick, but you can't really hate on that too much. Um, I had Fred Van Vliet possibly in that slot, but here we take Rudy Gobert, who's a 26 po- uh, 36 point per game guy last season. Going to get similar usage, picking up a center early. So, you know, we're 27 picks through, and honestly, you can't really complain too much about any of them. You can nitpick the LaMelo ball pick a bit. You might be able to nitpick the Anthony Davis pick a bit. But, you know, this draft is going along pretty strongly. Michael Porter Jr. goes with the 28th pick. Um, That was a little bit interesting. We know that he's going to be a higher usage guy. Last season, he was about a 30-point-per-game guy in fantasy. That doesn't really tell you the whole story because, you know, he started shining and he was closer to a 40-point-per-game guy when he was playing well. Will he be a 40-point-per-game guy this year? I don't know. The upside is there. We also have some health concerns around Michael Porter Jr. Um I don't hate the pick. I kind of had him more as like maybe a fourth round guy. You're taking him in the late third. So again, you're not going to nitpick that too much, um, but really high upside there with Michael Porter Jr. 29th, we have Anthony Edwards going. Um, Anthony Edwards is a guy I love. I don't know that I would have drafted Anthony Edwards in the top three rounds with a guy like Fred Van Vliet going the very next pick. We have Anthony Edwards... Another another situation where this doesn't tell the whole story, he was a 27-point-per-game guy last year in fantasy. But you look at that Minnesota Wolves team last year, and where he really shined was when all of those guys went down. You know, you had Cat getting injured. You had Beasley and his domestic violence issue. Um, you had... D'Angelo Russell kind of on and off the court. So there was a lot of games where Anthony Edwards was like their clear number one scoring option kind of later in the season. And he's just not going to be that to start the season. Um, We're going to have Cat in the mix. We're going to have D'Lo. We're going to have Beasley in the mix. They've got like an 11-man rotation in Minnesota. Personally, I was kind of staying away from a lot of the Wolves just because it feels like they're so deep. Um, I could eat my words, but I felt like Anthony Edwards was a bit of a reach here in that 29th slot. You had Fred Van Vliet going 30. Um, Fred Van Vliet, you know, kind of a boring pick, but he is going to be the usage guy there in Toronto more so than an Anthony Edwards at this stage in Minnesota. Um, he's just going to get a lot of usage right now. You've got Siakam out, Boucher out, you traded Kyle Lowry, or Kyle Lowry left. You know, Fred Van Vliet is going to be on the court a lot as long as he's healthy. He's going to be scoring a lot of points. He's going to be distributing on that extremely, you know, extremely light depth um, Toronto Raptors squad. So that wraps up the first three rounds, and I think I just have time for one more round at this point at the rate I'm going. So we're going to wrap it up here after the fourth round. Um, So 
31, we've got Devin Booker going to P-City. So the Phoenix Suns, who are my squad right now in the NBA, you know, the last few years, um, Devin Booker, you don't really have a whole lot changing with that Phoenix Sun squad. You pick up JaVale McGee, you pick up a Landry Shamit, um, but you still have a Chris Paul in the mix. You still have a DeAndre Ayton in the mix, getting looks, getting touches. Where Devin Booker really was shining in a fantasy perspective was prior to Chris Paul when you were running more of a point book situation. Booker was getting more looks, more usage. Um, I don't hate the pick by by any stretch. I think that was great value in the third round. Uh, Booker, though, he was a 32 fantasy points per game last season guy. And I just don't really see that changing a whole lot unless something crazy happens like an injury. We're not going to hope for that. Um, but if that team stays healthy, I don't see him averaging any higher than 34 or 35. I think that would be like his cap. Um, if guys were to start getting hurt and we have a point book again, that's when that pick could look really good. Um, and then we have a Clint Capella going with that 32nd pick. Another really, that's a really solid pick there. We know about the center premium. Um, Clint Capella, just a rebounding machine, 14 boards, 15 points per game last season. Um, he's a, he's a big blocks guy too. He gets you about two blocks a game and he's a very efficient player. He's always in and around the hoop. So he's just putting in alley-oops. He's, you know, getting those cleanup balls. He's getting tip-ins. He averages about a 60% clip from the field. Um, so he's just an efficient player. Really not, not much to say badly about that pick with that 32nd pick going Clint Capella. Um, 33, we have the attack rabbit going shy Gilgis Alexander. This is a pick where we all know that shy is a very talented player. The concern with the shy pick is more around the fact that OKC is another garbage can, a dumpster fire again this year. Um, they're not going to be good. It could reach a point where, you know, if Shy picks up a little bit of a nagging injury, he could get traded. I just don't really see them competing much longer than, you know, maybe midway through the season. And if that's the case, you could see Shy getting shut down. Maybe he gets traded. You never know, but you don't like drafting guys early where it's like, you know, maybe they're going to get shut down or get traded on bad teams. So, um, but if he does play, we know he can be a good, strong performer. Looking at his numbers, he was a 36 fantasy points per game guy last season when he did play. So there is a lot of upside with that pick. And you can't hate it too much for being a fourth rounder. Um, moving on, we have DeAndre Ayton going with that 34th pick. Um, and another situation where he's on the Suns, I just they didn't change their lineup that much from last season. DeAndre Ayton last season was a 30 points per game guy. I don't really love this pick other than just getting a center in the building because, again, you're, you're almost kind of banking on, like, hoping someone gets hurt and, like, if that happens then his usage could increase. But without that, 
I don't really see his path to being much more than a 30 points per game guy again. Um, when you had other guys on the board that at that slot that, you know, were better than 30 points per game guy. Um, Christian Wood went next. I mean, Christian Wood was a 34 points per game guy last season. I don't think that people think he has more talent than DeAndre Ayton. At least personally, I don't think so. I think DeAndre Ayton's a more talented player than Christian Wood. But you just look at that Rocket squad um, and another situation where he's going to get a lot of usage. Last season, he was a 21-10 and 10 guy. Maybe a bit of a concern that if the Rockets start tanking, I don't know, he could get traded. But I don't know, I feel okay about that pick, especially with the run-on centers that we would see. Um, and then I went ahead and, you know, with that 36th pick, I went ahead and snagged Jalen Brown. And I felt pretty good about that pick. Um, Jalen Brown was a 35-point-per-game guy last season in fantasy. So, you know, he's going a few picks after Aiton, who is a 30-point-per-game guy. Different position. You're drafting a swing man versus a center. Um but here we have Jalen Brown going a little bit later in the draft. My thought there was that I feel like Kemba, you know, just with Kemba out of the way now with having Dennis Schroeder, Kemba's a guy who jacks up a decent amount of shots. And I just feel like with him out of the way, even with Schroeder in there instead, that could be good for Jalen Brown's usage. Even if it doesn't improve his usage, I don't think that, Kemba for Schroeder changes the fact that he's at least a 35 point per game guy. He's also only 24 years old, which is hard to believe since he's been in the league for a good five years now. But Jalen Brown, 24 year old guy, still improving. So from that perspective, I could see him inching up higher, being maybe more like a 36, 37 fantasy point per game guy. Um, 37, we went Brandon Ingram. That's Northwest Webb with that slot. That felt like a very solid pick with the Zion situation. Brandon Ingram's going to be their primary scorer, primary perhaps ball handler a bit. Um, maybe not ball handler, but you know, he's going to get, he's going to bring the ball up. He's going to get his shot. You know, last season he was a 24-point-per-game scorer in terms of real points. In terms of fantasy, he was a 34-point-per-game guy. Um, but again, with Sion out, I felt like that's great value where he went. Um, we have John Morant going with that 38th pick. John Morant, who is the leader of the Memphis Grizzlies, was a guy I was considering at 36. Um, he averaged 31 fantasy points per game last season. He's going to be leading that Memphis Grizzlies squad. I don't have much bad things to say about him in that slot. Um, yeah, I mean, I felt actually, it felt like that was a great pick. Um, that's a guy I was considering myself. You're definitely kind of betting on him to take a bit of a leap this year, perhaps with a Valanchunas being out. You know, Valanchunas is a guy who scored a decent amount for the Grizzlies, so you have a little bit of less usage in that sense. You also have Grayson Allen moving on, so maybe just naturally, Ja Morant plays more minutes, and I like Ja with that um, with that pick, just as a high upside guy. 
Um, another high upside guy going 39th, we have a DeJounte Murray. I love this pick. Um, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, another team that probably they're going to try to compete for like a top 10, another play-in game appearance. So either way, DeJounte Murray's young enough where he's not most likely not going to get shut down. Um, as long as they're kind of hovering around that top 10, you know, even if they're like an 11 or 12 seed in the West, they're going to keep striving for that. But you look at it and they got rid of DeMar DeRozan. Um, even with DeMar DeRozan on their squad last season, DeJounte Murray was a 31 fantasy point per game night, a night guy. So without him, you could easily see that creeping up more towards 35, you know, I hate to say 40, but it's possible because the guy has a lot of upside. So, you know, that's a great pick, I feel like, with that slot. Um, and then this is the last pick that I'll do for today. The, we'll, we'll end uh, the fourth round by going over Kyrie Irving. I don't love this pick at all. He is a guy where, you know, I could just see this holdout happening into the season it just feels like he's destined to miss a lot of games this year. Obviously, the talent is there when he's on the court. Um, last season, when he did play, he was a 40 fantasy points per game guy. So, I mean, the guy can obviously play. That's not the concern. The concern is his vaccination status. We're looking at it now in Los Angeles. Just became the third city to mandate vaccines. Um, it doesn't appear to be headed in the right direction for Kyrie. I would have been okay taking a late flyer on him, but the fact that that's one of your first four guys is a huge question mark to me. Um, looking at some of the guys that were drafted just after him, you have Chris Paul, you know, solid pick. You have a Chris Middleton, you have a Tobias Harris. I would have felt pretty good about any of those guys over a Kyrie in that slot. You at least know that you're getting games. You at least know that you're getting usage. Obviously, I could come to eat my words on this if they change their position, if he gets vaccinated. But as it stands today, I don't love the pick. So there you have it. We just went through four rounds of the NBA Jam 2K22 draft. That 90-second timer really does change people. Um, when you're on the clock, you know, you're not you when you're on that timer. So here we have it. Um, and that was basically it for today. I will continue to break down the draft and we'll continue to have more updates as we get closer to that October 19th tip off. But thanks for listening to the Points League podcast and we'll see you next time.